This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Well, go ahead and open your Bibles, if you would, or your gadget, or your smartphone, your, your pad, whatever you got, to Haggai. Now, is, is this a Haggai saying church or a Haggai saying church? You know, sometimes churches say it either way. You Haggai or Haggai? Haggai's good. <laughs> All right, Haggai chapter 2. Now this morning we were talking about, actually we clearly saw that the glory of God is within us. And we were just singing about it. I love that song. I mean, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, the same power that moves mountains, that same glory that raised Jesus from the dead lives within us. It's in me, it's in you, and we clearly saw that that glory of God needs to flow out of us. And we we also saw that if we build our expectation, if we go ahead and understand what hope is, hope is a confident expectation. Hope is an, it's actually something that will build an image on the inside of you. And see, then your faith grows up and produces a harvest. How does it do that? Well, it goes ahead and puts substance to that thing that you're expecting. Hebrews 11.1. 1. And so we saw that we need to go ahead and build our expectation. We need to expect the glory. We need to raise our spiritual sights higher than what we've done before. See, we know that you can. we can exercise our faith for our own healing. We can exercise our faith for our own finances. That's good. But I like to look at it like this. You know, that's just training ground. That's God helping you understand how this works so that you can then use your faith for people that are lost, that are dying, that are going to hell. You can extend your faith to get other people healed instead of just yourself. We need to lift our expectations higher that way and expect His power, His glory to flow through us and meet somebody else's need. And so that that was a key this morning you know, because there's a lot of people that aren't expecting the glory. I mean, they, they, they don't even understand what the glory is. They don't even understand what the power of God is. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead. If you're born again, it's living in you. But there's a whole lot of people that don't have any clue about that. And so there's a whole lot of people really not expecting that power to move in their life or that power to flow through them. And so... The number one hindrance, I believe, to the glory of God moving in this earth the way God wants it to move is a lack of expectation for it. See, we got to go ahead and, and have the expectation, build our faith to the point where we can release our faith and have that power of God flowing through us. And so that's, that was one key to seeing this glory manifested the way that God wants it to in this end time. So now let's look at another key. That second key that I want us to look in is obedience. Just plain, simple, doing what God tells you to do. And see, that begins in our prayer life. That begins with us being dedicated and committed to reading our Word, to having our devotional time, to getting into our prayer closet and seeking the face of God, getting in His presence because we know that the manifest presence of God is the glory of God. Get that glory on you in your prayer closet and then go out from your prayer closet and do what you prayed. You see, it's not enough just to pray. we got a lot of people that, well, no, we just need to pray. No, you need to pray and then you need to do. 
You need to pray and then you need to go. You need to pray and then you need to tell others about Jesus. You need to pray and then you need to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. Amen? So we're talking obedience. And that obedience covers a lot of a lot of stuff. So let's go ahead and read a few verses from Haggai concerning the glory of God, which will then lead us to the importance of obedience in other areas. Haggai chapter 2, I want us to read verse 9. You'll recognize this verse. It says this, The glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. Now what was the beginning of that? The glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former. Now much of what is said in Haggai has dual application. Now what's that mean? Well, it applied to the children of Israel when it was written, but it also applies to the church today. See, so the glory of this latter house, that's us. We're in the latter house right here, right now. In fact, we're in the last house. (laughs) We're in the last day's house. Well, the glory of this latter house is going to be greater than the former. And so you can take that a couple of ways, and both ways are right. You can look at it and understand, well, that means that the glory of the church today is going to be greater than it was under the old covenant days, and for sure. I mean, we've got scripture on that. Listen to 2 Corinthians 3, verses 7 and 8. It says this, But if the ministry of death, written and engraved on stones, was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away, verse 8 says, how will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? And so that, that's, that's a rhetorical question. <laughs> and it's really just, it said, hey, hello, the glory of this latter house It's going to be so much greater than the former. The glory of the Spirit moving in our lives is going to be so much greater. But see, you can take it even a step further. You can take it and look at it this way. The glory of this latter house is going to be greater than it was at the early church phase. Amen. And the glory of the early church was pretty awesome. Hello. I mean, there was signs, wonders, mighty deeds going on. Those guys knew how to get the church going. They, how'd they do it? Well, they did it by every believer being involved, for one thing. Every believer was going from house to house. Every believer was ministering Jesus in the streets, in the marketplace. Everywhere they went, they were talking about the Lord. But the second point of that is they were moving in the power of God. I mean, they were laying hands on the sick and seeing them recover. They were, they were raising the dead. They were doing all kinds of stuff. But the glory of the latter house, you know, there's some people that, well, you know, they needed the the power of God to get the church started, and so God gave them the power to get the church started, but all of that stuff passed away, you know, when the last apostle died. Oh, you you don't think we need the power of God to get the church finished? My goodness, there are 7.5 billion people on this planet. Two billion of them have never heard the name of Jesus before. Two billion. More than that still need to get saved. <laughs> Seven and a half thousand tribes still need to hear. How are they going to hear? They're going to hear by the power of God coming into manifestation. There's a reason they're not in now. 
They're resistant. Why have they been resistant? Because they are so bound up by the devil. They're so bound up in Hinduism, in Buddhism, in Islam, in animism, in all the other isms. They're so bound up, the power of God needs to come on the scene to get their eyes open. To wake them up. And once the power of God does come like that, they will be woken up. They will come into the kingdom. Amen. Kind of, kind of getting off, off track here, but the glory of the latter house. Everybody say, I'm part of the latter house. Well, you're going to have more glory than the former house did. Whew. It's got to be because the apostle John, you remember in the book of Revelation where, where, you know, John was caught up in the spirit on the Lord's day and man, he saw some stuff. He went up to heaven and he saw, and what did he see? One of the things he saw was people from every tongue, every tribe, every people group, every nation worshiping around the throne of God. He saw that. It was prophetic. It ain't there yet. There still has to be these tribes come in in order for that prophecy to be fulfilled, in order for what John saw to be actual reality. There's a bunch of these tribes that still got to be reached. They gotta be there around the throne of God, worshiping God from every tongue, every tribe, every people group, every nation. You know, and I, I believe the Lord Jesus knew that there was gonna be people that are gonna question that. That's why He defined what nation was. He defined it in Revelation. He said what nation was. Every tongue, every tribe, every people group. That's the nation. It's not some geographical boundary. It's not some political boundary country. No, no. It's every tongue, tribe, people group, every language group, every nation. They got to be there. Amen. Well, <laughs> let me get on with the message here because <laughs> that was good, but that was extra. <laughs> Hallelujah. In these last days, we can't just sit around waiting to see what God's going to do next. No, we have to get a revelation of what God wants us to do and then do it. See, I don't know about y'all, but when I get to heaven and stand before Jesus, I want to hear Him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And then I also want to hear Him say, you did what I asked you to do. You did what I asked you to do. See, that's when the rewards are coming. That's when, the, if you do what he asks, he, he's not asking you to do anything more than that, but he is asking you to do what he asks you to do. And when we go ahead and obey, that's part, that's part of the key of having this greater glory. It's not, that greater glory is not going to come on the people that aren't obeying. Well, that went over well. <laughs> and see, one of, the, one of the reasons I'm bringing this up is because in the last decade or so, I've been seeing those that call themselves Word of Faith or Charismatic or Full Gospel or Pentecostal or whatever kind of label you want to put on it. I've been seeing them let this glory of God slip. They let it slip because, well, it's just, you know, that's just kind of weird. That's kind of unpopular. You know, that's just, you know, uh, we might offend, we might offend somebody. We don't want to offend anybody. 
You know, we, we, we believe in the gifts of the Spirit, but we just don't want them going on on Sunday morning because, you know, the, anybody that came in that didn't know what about it, they, they'd get all, oh, they'd get all weird and then they'd never come back. No, no, no. The glory of God attracts people. The gifts of the Spirit attract people. That's how I got saved. I heard there's people speaking in tongues and, and, and people are getting healed. I said, really? Really? I want to see it. <laughs> they're, they're speaking in a language and I want to hear it. Show me. <laughs> Amen. Well, I kind of got off again, but <laughs> we, we must not do as the children of Israel did in Haggai's day because they lost their enthusiasm concerning the glory of God. They became apathetic in rebuilding God's temple where God's glory would dwell. Now, see, under the Old Covenant, God didn't come and live inside of people. His glory actually was in a building, in a house. And when these children of Israel got out of captivity and went back to Jerusalem, God told them, you rebuild my temple, you rebuild my house, I need a place to come and and be in. And they didn't do it. They didn't do it. They became apathetic. Listen to Haggai chapter 1. We're going to read verses 2 through 4. Haggai 1, 2 through 4. Thus speaks the Lord of hosts, saying, This people says, The time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Well, no, the time had already come. Verse 3. Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this temple, and this temple to lie in ruins? So again, another rhetorical question. And, and the obvious answer is no. <laughs> See, at the time of this writing, the Israelites had returned from Babylonian captivity and they'd already built houses for themselves. However, some 16 years after they built houses for themselves, they had yet to begin rebuilding God's temple. Now, here's the deal. God's not against us living in nice houses, but it's more important that we build His house. When it, when it comes to the New Testament, we're not talking about a church building. We're talking about building His family. We're talking about the house of the Lord is the saved. It's the believers. And we need to be about the Father's business. We need to do what He's called us to do. And if we'll go ahead and get involved with God, with what God's called us to do, if we'll be obedient with it, He's going to pour His glory on us. He's going to, He's going to have that glory flow out of us. There's going to be signs and wonders and mighty deeds like never before because the glory of the latter house is going to be greater than the former. Amen. See, we got to put first things first and keep them there or we're not going to see these greater manifestations of God's glory. And maybe we need to let some things go. Maybe we need to let go of some things that we've been holding on to. You know, I, I'm concerned that some people are just flat afraid if they follow the perfect will of God for their life that they'll miss out on some earthly benefit, miss out on some earthly blessing. You don't know how often Liz and I, we go into churches all over America, coast to coast. And people say to us, I'm sure glad you're doing that. 
I'm sure glad that God's never called me to do that. Now, I want to let, are you sure? You sure He's never called you? Are you sure? Are you just, are you just disobeying? And a lot of times it's people going, well, you know, I, if I did that, well, I'd have to give up this and I'd have to give up that and I wouldn't have my nice house to live in, wouldn't have my boat to go on the lake with, I would, I, I'd be living in some mud hut somewhere and, you know, maybe, maybe. But I'm telling you, if you go ahead and obey, if you'll go ahead and do it, God will bless you beyond, beyond your imagination. I mean, he'll go ahead and give to you houses and lands and peoples and and, and family and the, well, I, I'd miss my I'd miss my my grandkids growing up or I'd miss this and I'd miss that. You won't miss nothing. Glory to God. You know, my wife and I we've done this several times. Sell everything, give everything away, and move halfway around the world. We did it in Nepal. Stayed there for four years without coming home. Think we missed a few things? Yeah, we came home and it's like, whoa. You know, people are talking about stuff. We didn't know what they were talking about. I mean, we'd missed four years. So? <laughs> and then we got reestablished and then he, then he had us go to Raymond and graduate Bible school and during, during graduation he's telling me what to call our new ministry. Ends of the earth ministry. Actually, at first I thought he said end of the earth, and so I was, you know, even started submitting the papers to the lawyer to, to incorporate, and he, he corrected me during graduation. He said, no, ends of the earth. It's not just one. Oh, okay. <laughs> and then we graduated, and he said, now you move to Siberia. And, and I'm t- if Siberia is not the end of the earth, you can see it from there. <laughs> And so we, again, we sold everything, we gave everything away, and we moved to Siberia, lived by faith on both times. I mean, we just saw God move and move and move and bless us and bless us and bless us. We didn't miss anything. But there's so many people that are so, they're so clued into the material. They're so keyed into the, to the, to the stuff that the stuff is keeping them from obeying God. It's either amen or oh me, I mean, but. (laughs) See, we have to get our eyes off the material stuff and get our eyes on doing the will of God. Put first things first. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 6.33. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Now, if you read that verse in context, you'll find that Jesus said... When he said all these things, he's talking about food and clothes and shelter. He's talking about all the stuff that the world's chasing after. And he's saying, if you'll go ahead and put first things first, if you'll go ahead and put the kingdom of God first and his righteousness, all that stuff will just come on you. You don't have to be worried about it. You don't have to be concerned about it. You don't have to, you, you know, over, overextend yourself to get it. You don't have to do any of that. If you'll just go ahead and put first things first, he'll bless you beyond your imagination. He'll make sure that you've got everything that you need. Now, in Haggai, we can read that the children of Israel, they were planting, they were sowing, but yet, when they sat down to eat, they didn't have enough. Haggai, chapter 1, let's read verse 6. I'm going to read it to you out of the NIV because I, I thought it really sounded cool in the NIV. It says it this way, You have planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. 
You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you're not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. (laughs) You know how well that's describing most people in America today? They never have enough. They never, they can't ever seem to have enough. Well, what was the problem in, in, for the children of Israel? I mean, they were sowing. They were sowing. Sowing's good, right? Yeah, we're, 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 we know we're, to, we're supposed to sow. It's definitely scriptural. But they were sowing without putting the things of God first. They were sowing without putting God's needs ahead of their own needs. And because of that, their sowing wasn't working. Now, my wife and I, we, we've pastored well over 20 years, uh, three different churches. One of the churches was actually in Siberia. But we pastored in Montana and we pastored in North Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, suffering for Jesus at the beach. Somebody had to do it. <laughs> I think that was part of God making up for us, <laughs> making it up to us for living in Siberia and Nepal. <laughs> I mean, he'll bless you when you obey. So we were 16 years at the beach. And we had a church that was full of contractors and and realtors, because and, the beach was booming. I mean, they, the stuff was getting built all over the place, and contractors, realtors, general contractors, all kinds of builders and and developers, and and and, and the, the church had a lot of, had a lot of funds coming in. But some of these businessmen would come to me, and they'd say, you know, Pastor, I've been tithing and I've been giving, and and if I've seen an increase on it, I can't tell. And I'd have to, now, now what? You're tithing, you're giving, yeah, and I can't see any increase. What's going on? Why, why aren't I seeing the increase? I said, well, let, let me ask you a few questions. Why are you giving the way you're giving? Well, I'm giving the way I'm giving so that I can have more. Okay, um, but should that be your first reason <laughs> for giving? You know, we had to, I had to help them get their eyes open. No, you should be given because you love God. You should be given because you want to honor Him. You should be given because, you know, you want to advance His kingdom. These are the reasons that you should be given. And when they made the adjustment, when they, when they saw that and got the revelation of it, then they began to sow and God just began to, to lay it on them. I mean, it just was coming in right and left for them. But they had to get it, they had to put first things first. Amen. Jesus said, if you'll seek first the kingdom and all these things that you're seeking after, well, they'll be added to you. Well, what is the kingdom of God and His righteousness that we're supposed to be seeking? Basically, it's God's will, God's way. <laughs> if you just go ahead and do what He wants you to do, if you just go ahead and obey, I think it's what, Isaiah 119 that says if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. If you're not, you'll die by the sword. <laughs> I think I paraphrased that, but it's true. If you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. If you'll just obey and do what he says. Amen. But see, the children of Israel, instead of doing that, they sought first their own stuff and then left the job that was assigned to them undone. They intended to rebuild the temple, but yet they hadn't gotten it done. Now, what we, what can we learn from that? See, they, they put off rebuilding the house of God, and, and if we're not careful today, 
we too can become so involved with our personal lives that we neglect the things of God. See, we got this great commission that says, go preach the gospel to every person and make disciples of every nation. We've got that great commission. But, you know, the church has had 2,000 years to do it and it still hasn't gotten it done. I'm pretty sure the church has always intended to get it done, but yet we've not gotten it done and we've had close to 2,000 years to do it. See, if we're going to experience the greater glory, that glory that will be greater than in the former house, we're going to have to do something about it. We can't just sit back and be satisfied with what we've done and what we've got. We've got to actually do what He's told us to do. We have to be involved. See, I'm a firm believer in every church needs to be a missions church. And every believer needs to be involved in missions. If you're not called to go, you better be sending. Amen. And if you're called to go, go. I don't, over the years, I don't know how many times that Liz and I have had people come to us and say, you know, I'm sure glad you're doing what you're doing. God called me to go do that and I never did do it. And you know, now they're 70, 75, 80 years old and I, you know, I never did it. Feel real bad about it. <laughs> it's like, why didn't you? Yeah, that's what we tell them. Well, how about doing what you can do right now? How about going to your neighbor? How about going to the marketplace? How about sharing Jesus wherever you're at? How about getting behind some missionaries that are going? And, you know, and, and they did. They, some of our best supporters were people that should have gone and didn't because I, I think they were supporting us because they were feeling guilty, you know. <laughs> well, I didn't do it, so I'm going to support you. You're doing it. <laughs> Amen. See, God's not against His children having stuff and living well. You know, you're in a church that, that teaches you balance like that. I, I believe in divine prosperity. I believe it belongs to us as believers. It's one of our redemptive rights. But when we begin to seek things more than the kingdom of God, then it gets out of balance. Now, I'm not saying a person isn't saved if they're all caught up in, in money and things. But I am saying he's not going to walk in God's best unless he's seeking God's best. When we overemphasize financial prosperity and underemphasize the kingdom of God and the things of God, we're headed in the wrong direction. We're headed down the wrong path. And when we walk that path, we're not going to experience God's greater glory. Now, see, we can, we can look throughout history. We can look throughout the Bible. And we can see that God was always willing to pour out His glory on people that were obedient. People that would do what he asked him to do. We can also consistently see that when the glory of God was in manifestation, it was always a time of revelation and change. And so I want to I want to close this evening by looking how by looking at how the glory of God can change the believer so that he or she can be used to manifest greater glory. Greater measures of His glory to the lost and dying. Now go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. We're going to read just two verses. But they're separated by a whole bunch in between and all of it's good. So 
<laughs> but we're not going to take the time. Second Corinthians chapter 3, let's read verse 13. It says, unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away. You know, I, I, that's kind of interesting. Because we know that when Moses went up to get the Ten Commandments, you know, he spent 40 days up there in the, in the presence and glory of God. And he came down off that mountain just beaming. His face was shining so bright that you know, people were going, whoa, man, Moses. I need some sunglasses here. You're just way too bright. (laughs) They couldn't look at him. I mean, it was that bright, so he put a veil over his face so that he could, you know, still talk to him without them going. But then, here in verse 13, it gives us a little more of a clue. Unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passed. See, he put that veil over his face to begin with so that they could look at him, and then he left it there so that he couldn't see that it was fading. See, that's old covenant stuff. New covenant, we need to be in the position where that glory of God's not fading. It's increasing. It's, it, it's in, in continuing to increase. And that brings us down to verse 18. And like I said, everything in between 13 and 18, really good. Read it on your own time. But verse 18 says, But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Now I want you to notice that it says we are transformed. Everybody say transformed. Into the same image. What image? The same image is Jesus. See, if you'll go ahead and be transformed, if you'll let the Spirit of God transform you into the same image as Jesus, the more you look like Jesus, the more you talk like Jesus, the more you act like Jesus, the more you're going to have His glory flowing out of you and impacting those that are lost and dying all around you. We're to be transformed into the same image. See, that implies that there should be an ongoing action taking place. It does not say you have been transformed. If it did, it would mean that it's already happened. And if it already happened in our terms of our walking in His likeness, then where we're at today would be as good as it gets. And how many of you know that where we're at today is not as good as it needs to be? (laughs) So we continue to need to be transformed. Amen. The NIV says it this way. Being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory, the Amplified says, from one degree of glory to another. Now, look at that phrase, unveiled face. Back in verse 18, But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. Now, unveiled face. We know that in Exodus 34, Moses went up on the mountain, got the Ten Commandments, came down, put a veil over his face, so that initially people you know, could look at him. And then later, so that they couldn't tell it was fading away. But here in verse 18, it says that we're to behold God's glory with unveiled faces. Or in other words, there should be nothing blocking our view of God's glory. Now, to give you a natural illustration of that, you know, how many of you, you know, you get out of a hot shower? And I emphasize hot shower because a lot of places where Liz and I go, there ain't no such thing as a hot shower. And usually there's not a mirror anyway, so. <laughs> but, but when, here in America, 
This illustration don't work overseas. But in, in America, you get out of a hot shower, and unless you've got, you know, some kind of super exhaust sucking fan, you get out of that hot shower and, the, and you look in the mirror and it, it's all fogged up. I mean, you can't see nothing until you take a towel and you wipe the mirror, and then you can see clearly. Well, here's the deal. God wants us looking in that mirror with an unveiled face, or in other words, He wants that mirror so clear that we can look at it and see His glory, and we can look at it and see if there's anything blocking the view, if there's anything that's standing between you and the glory of God, anything that's blocking that view of you and His reflection in you, then you need to get it out of the way. You need to go ahead and take your hand and wipe that mirror and get it clear so that you can actually see the glory of God the way He wants you to see it. And a lot of times that's just having to do with you being obedient to God. With you going ahead and hearing what He, what he wants you to do and then getting about doing it. And other times it has to do with maybe some unconfessed sin in your life. It might have to do with some junk that's in your life. Well, you got to get it out of the way so that you can then hear the voice of the Lord clearly. There's so many people in America, they're wanting to hear the voice of God, but yet they can't hear it. They're wanting to to see the glory of God, but yet they can't see it. And what's the deal? Well, there's just too much stuff on the mirror. It's just too fogged up, and so they can't see the reflection of the glory of God. And what do they need to do? Man, they need to wipe that mirror clean, get it out of the way, and then they can clearly hear what God's telling them to do. They can clearly see what He's wanting them to do. You know, here's another illustration. You, you, you ever have any experiences with drinking fountains? I've had a number of them. <laughs> you know, you're thirsty, and so you go to the drinking fountain to get a drink, you know, and you, you turn the handle, push the button, whatever, and, and there's just this little... I mean, it's not even breaking air. You know, it's just barely... There's a And you, you go, man, I'm thirsty, but if, if, if I... To get a drink, I'd have to put my lips down over that. And I might even have to suck on it a little bit. And who knows what's plugging it, you know? <laughs> and so, you're not going to do it. Don't blame you. <laughs> well, that's how, that's how a bunch of us Christians, especially in America, that's where we're at spiritually. See, the world, they've got, a, they've got enough uh, drawing from God. They know... To get a drink of the living water, they need to come to one of us. However, they look at so many of us and they go, whoa, man, what he's got coming out of him, it ain't even, it ain't even breaking air. And the only way I could get a drink is if I were to put my lips on him and I'm not doing it. (laughs) I'm not doing it. (laughs) And now I've had some other drinking fountain experiences. I've gone up to get a drink before, you know, and I turned the handle and I got a little too close before I turned the handle. I mean, it washed my face. It gave me a drink, splashed ten other people around us. Well, that's the way we, we need to be. Somebody comes to you for a drink of that living water, don't just give them a drink. Wash their face. Give them a bath. Splash ten other people around them. <laughs> And how how are you going to do that? Well, you're going to have to get rid of the junk that's plugging the pipe. What's clogging the pipe? What's holding it back? See, the Scripture tells us that we're to have rivers of living water flowing out of our innermost being. You know, one river is a lot of water. 
But that says rivers. So each and every one of us, we're to have these rivers, man. We're to have a river of salvation flowing out of us. We're to have a river of healing flowing out of us. We're to have a river of of deliverance flowing out of us. We're to have a, a river of prosperity flowing out. We're to have these rivers of living water flowing out of us. Not just this little trickle. Amen. And so how do we get more of this glory of God flowing through us to meet the needs of the people around us? Well, we got to wipe the mirror. we got to go ahead and clean out the pipe. <laughs> get rid of the plug. Amen. And so how do you do that? Well, first off, you just need to be open and honest with God. You know, most of the time we know what's plugging the pipe. A lot of times it's just not being obedient to what he's telling you to do. And then you can't quite hear clearly because, you know, uh, what are you telling me, Lord? And it's like he's saying, would you go back five years and do what I told you to do? You go ahead and go back and do what he told you to do. Oh, suddenly you're hearing stuff real clear. You're seeing things clearly once again because you went back and, and started doing what he told you to do. See, that obedience opens the door for this glory to flow through you like never before. You go ahead and be obedient to it. You step into that obedience. Whoa! You can hear. You can see. Suddenly things are clear and crisp. And away you go. Amen. A lot of times that's what it is. Other times it's, you know, some junk plugging the pipe. (laughs) And here's what I really like about God. When He tells you to put your hand on the mirror to get rid of, when when He's telling you to unplug the pipe, you put your hand on the mirror, it's like He does this. Comes up, puts His hand on top of yours. He's never asking us to do it on our own. He knows you can't do it on your own. Amen. No, you go ahead and take a step in that right direction. He'll get all over you. He'll go, oh, there's my son. There's my daughter. He's taking that step. You watch. I'm going to get all over him. This glory's going to get all over me. He's going to, the next step he takes is going to be glorious. <laughs> he knows you can't do that stuff on your own. He's never asked you to do it on your own. See, again, sometimes that's what the problem is. Well, I can pull myself up by my own bootstraps. You know, I'm an independent kind of guy. A lot of times that's what you see with people out west. They got this independent spirit about them, you know, because they, they were pioneers to begin with, you know. The, their ancestors were pioneers, man. We went out there and we homesteaded and we took the land and, man, we had to do it. We and that just kind of gets passed down to the, so that the next one, they got that attitude too. Well, no, I, I can do it on my own. And so they approach the things of God the same way. I can do it. I can do it on my own. And, and the Lord said, no, you can't. You were never designed to do it on your own. You can do it with His power. See, it's by His Spirit. We're, we're transformed from one degree of glory to another. How? By His Spirit. By His power, that same glory that will go and and minister to somebody else, that same glory will minister to you. We'll clear the pipe, we'll wipe the mirror, 
and get you ready for what it is that he, not, he needs you to do. And so I'd like to, I'd like to close this service this way. If you, if you, if someone was witnessing to you, you know, about cleaning the pipe, wiping the mirror, if something was witnessing to you about, yeah, there's some stuff I need to, I need to get rid of, I need to, I need to get rid of the plug, or, yeah, you know, I, I didn't do what God told me to do, and so, you know, I, I need to go ahead and obey and start doing what He told me to do. Well, you know, I, I, one of the ways that God puts His hand on your hand is for the laying on of hands of a ministry gift. I mean, he, he just, now he can do it without a ministry gift. You can do it in your own prayer time and, and he can meet you there and, and wipe things up and, you know, wipe the mirror so that you can hear or clean the pipe so that, that the glory can come out. But sometimes he'll go ahead and have a, a minister lay hands on you and it's kind of a jump start to the whole process. It's like getting hooked up to the jumper cables. You know, because some of y'all, some of you might need a jump <laughs> to get you moving in the right direction. And then once you're moving, you know, here's what Brother Hagen used to say to us all the time. Really hard to steer a parked car. You can't steer a parked car. You got to get it moving. Once it's moving, then you can steer it. <laughs> so sometimes that, that initial moving is just, is just standing up and, and coming forward and having hands laid on. Okay, we're moving. And God said, yep, he's moving now. And so now we're going to meet him and we're going to empower him and we're going to go ahead and wipe the mirror and, and clear the pipe. And, and then the next step is glorious. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.